This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Future Talk podcast. Future Talk. Future Talk with Omnial Saleh and Hani Balkas on Pulse 95. Future Talk. Sunday fun day. Welcome back to Pulse 95. You're the Future Talk with myself, Hannibal Qais, and Omnia Saleh. And you could be listening to Future Talk in your car, <laughs> on your motorcycle, or even maybe a bike or your e-scooter. Oh, Isn't that right, Omnia? Yes, indeed. Mobility is definitely going through major changes right now, 2020 and for the years to come. And we honestly don't know what's going to make the biggest impact on the future of transport. Is it hoverboards? Is it the Hyperloop? Is it flying cars? or self-driving cars will cars even matter in the future while we can't really predict the future no one can uh, we can definitely prepare ourselves for the change that is coming up and to help us with that we have the one guest who's going to be giving us the five steps to help us plan for a better future of transport martin tillman the director of transport planning at acom is joining us today welcome to the show Thank you very much. Good afternoon. It's such an honor having you. So we're going to be taking a short break. But when we come back, we're going to be talking about the five steps. Plan, sustain, choose, shift and connect. What do all these keywords mean? So buckle up for the ride with Martin Tillman. 4215, let us know if you have any questions for the man of the hour. And if you cannot text in for any reason possible at Pulse95 Radio on Instagram, do DM us your questions. Yes, indeed. But until then, I'm going to be leaving you with Made For Now. So enjoy the song and we'll be right back. You're listening to Pulse95. Future Talk. Future Talk with Omnial Saleh and Hani Balkas on Pulse 95. Future Talk. I hope you're all buckled up and ready because we're going down the road of transportation today with Martin Tillman. And uh, it's going to be a very interesting interview as we are going to be talking about the future of transport isn't that right Omnia? yes indeed but you know instead of sitting down like with our imaginary virtual crystal ball and looking at what could happen one day we're gonna see how can we be better prepared for it so welcome to the show martin thank you uh, such an honor to get to speak to you today let's start a bit by planning how can we plan for the future of transport we see big names in the market hoverboards hyperloops self-driving cars electrical vehicles which one is the one that has a viable future, as we might say? Thank you. I mean, it's, it's a great question. And, and people talk to me all the time about what is the future uh, of transport? What kind of modes uh, are, are out there? Mm-hmm. And one that comes up all the time is I sort of look through the press. I read the news. I listen to the radio, watch the TV. The ones I hear about all the time are things like the Hyperloop and the passenger drones, the freight drones, the ones that are carrying goods around, uh, delivery pods. Uh, autonomous buses, autonomous <laughs> cars, hydrogen power cars, all of these are like front page news, everyone wants to talk about them. But the reality of how we travel about every day is very different. These are all great things to think about in the future, but right now, what does it mean? Most of the time we're actually building more roads, mm-hmm. we're building wider roads, we're building bridges above, we're more building lanes. tunnels underneath, we're just building more. And what does that mean for us as people? Us as human beings, we're actually made to go under the roads. Mm. We're made to bridge over them. We're made to like, you know, run across roads and there's a safety issue there as well. So for me, the planning is all about a balance between, you know, this nice, shiny new technology that we can we can bring forward to help people move around, but not forgetting us as human beings. 
you know, and at the end of the day, we want to walk around. We want to feel safe. Mm. We don't want to have our loved ones, um, you know, injured through uh, accidents. And so how can we make that better by thinking of a human first uh, approach? Mm-hmm. It's quite interesting to see because uh, living in the UAE, I mean, I was born here, brought up here. Uh, the weather definitely plays a huge factor uh, in how much do we cycle, how much do we walk, how much do we use alternatives to cars. Uh, and as you mentioned, all we do is basically add more roads, add more lanes. So what is your take on how can we maneuver around the weather issue? How can we maneuver around the safety issue? What would be the best mix? Mm. I mean, it's interesting because um, we, we were part of a survey of uh, cyclists or people that were interested to do cycling. And I, like you, I expected the heat to be the number one issue, why people weren't interested in cycling. It was actually number four. The first three reasons were all to do with, well, the, the most important, as I mentioned already, mm. is safety. Mm. You know, do I feel safe cycling to my work? Do I feel safe letting my kids cycle to school? Um, the second one is, are there facilities when I get there? Is there a, a shower? Is there a locker mm. facility? Is there somewhere to park my bike? Uh, and the third one is all about the actual um, the lanes, you know, making sure that there is a lane that actually gets you there and access to a bicycle. You know, mm. not everyone has a bicycle. Uh, not everyone knows how to <laughs> ride one. And I think storage could be, it could be a factor as well. Where to mm. store the yeah. bike? Well, there's, yeah. Some people have villas, some people have apartments. Yeah, exactly. So, and I think the heat... It's still an important issue, but it wasn't at the top of everyone's mm. minds. If I'm thinking I'd let my kids go and cycle to school, it's not the heat that's the first thing that I'm mm. thinking that, about. Yes. It's like, are my kids safe on that, that journey to school? So heat, there are things that we can do. Mm-hmm. Um, there, were, there were plans in place I saw for um, shaded cycleways, certainly providing them alongside um, um, the sort of uh, tent canvas uh, covers. I've also seen these misting sprays that will actually send a cool misting mm-hmm. spray so mm-hmm. it sort of cools you as you go along. Okay, it may not work during the hottest days of the summer, but it might make it more comfortable for longer parts of True. the year, longer parts of the day. Could a factor be the distance from point A to B? Mm. Yeah, I think so as well. And like, I feel comfortable generally in any journey I make, I usually feel comfortable about 30 minutes. Because mm. then I think it's just, I can just get up and go. Mm-hmm. You know, I can just get my bag and I'm off. 30 minutes, I know I'm going to be there. Mm-hmm. Anything longer than that, I'm starting to think, I need to plan, I need to start working out what I'm doing, where I'm going to stop on the way or something like this. So for me, 30 minutes is ideal in terms of a journey time. And, you know, cycling 30 minutes, you can go a fair distance. So certainly in the UAE, there's a big push now towards more cycling, uh, more walking paths and giving that sort of more comfortable uh, environment. Mm-hmm. So is your plan to completely abandon cars and all the new technology that is rising with cars or is it a way to provide a mix in when it comes to mobility? What kind of mobility can we uh, mix and match with so that because as you mentioned and as Hani discussed before, distance is a huge aspect in the different Emirates. Uh, also, transporting, trans, you know, transportation between one Emirate and the other is hard when it comes to talk about like cycling or walking. So Absolutely. what is the perfect mix? Yeah, and, and we call it a layered mix. So you'd actually have different layers. So really the walking and cycling, I'm talking what's called a first mile, last mile mm. solution. So for example, when you get off a metro and you're still some way to your office or to your school, you need that last mile solution, which might be the walking and cycling. But for longer journeys, I agree, it's it's not practical to do that. So what other options do we have? Well, general public transit, the bus, the metro, the trams, 
Uh, and then you have the trains and, the, and then we have all these other technologies mm. that we were talking about at the start of the show. So for me, it's definitely a layered approach and you have to select the right mode for the right kind of journey. Mm -hmm. Now, like, uh, walking and cycling is very popular in Europe and especially not ma many states in the US, like for New York, for example. Uh -huh. They all walk to, to work. They yeah, use, it's, they, like they it's use, unheard they, of to yeah, get they, a car in New They York. use bicycles. Why is it so popular there? but not so popular here in the Middle East. Well, let me give you another example. So Copenhagen in Denmark, uh, in the 60s, their cycling share was actually quite low. It was around 10%. Um, and people actually, they were building more roads. They were falling into the same sort of cycle, building more roads, saying, no, everyone's going to drive cars going forward. What actually happened was in the 60s, 70s and 80s, they started to make that shift. And it was quite difficult. There was a lot of political uh, rejection almost of the idea of people going back to cycling so they said no let's let's make someone had to be brave essentially mm. <laughs> someone had to be brave make that decision uh, and now you're getting to a point where 50% of Copenhagen residents will actually have a cycle to make a, a cycle trip and 20% of commuter trips are made by bike mm. so that shift from a very low a base of 10% of all cycling done to suddenly going 20 to 50% is mm. huge. So it can be done. And that's a country which is very cold in the winter. Yes. But still people will go out and cycle. It's going to take time, basically. So the gradual shift will take time. Absolutely. It's, yeah. not, it's not a year. It's not two years. No, no, no. And as I said, it's not just that in isolation. You have to balance it all with mm -hmm. all the other uh, options as well coming. So, for example, I want to go to the supermarket. You jump on your bike. But if I had a long commute to work, for example, I get mm. in my car. A, bit, a kind of or balance, use, balance yeah, and a or mix. use the public bus there are so many different alternatives instead of just you know because yeah. it can also be damaging for the environment but let's say that there are other options for you so let's say at the moment there are car share schemes okay mm. so you know these cars where you can just you uh, I think you just put your card at the window yeah, you've yeah. already pre-registered and that car is then available for you you drive it to where you want to go leave the car someone else can then take that car it's amazing there are many different applications that actually implement that and it's now like you put one your car bike in it is yeah. owned by hundreds and hundreds of people and just, just for like that little few moments that you use it in and it, it gives you so much flexibility you don't have to own a car you don't have to pay for the insurance it's all covered for you as part of the deal so this gives you some more flexibility uh, but then imagine if you take that further and we start having autonomous uh, cars or mm. autonomous buses so suddenly that's essentially, you know, you call your, your car, it comes to pick you up and takes you to your destination, then it goes off and picks up the next person. If you take it to another level, an autonomous bus could be doing something similar. We call it e-hailing, mm. where you'd have your app on your phone, you'd dial that uh, vehicle, it would make a detour, uh, pick you up and then move on to the next uh, destination. So there's lots of different ways. You shouldn't be just thinking about, I'm driving my private car. Yes, indeed. Mm -hmm. Lots of possibilities and lots to look forward to. But text in on 4215 if you have any questions for Martin Tillman. But more importantly, let us know, how do you go about your commute to your work, to your school? Our text lines are open. And if you can't text us in for any reason, what should they do, honey? Please go to at Pulse95Bridio on Instagram and DM us a question of yours. And we'll ask the man of the hour, Martin Tillman, all about it. Stay tuned right here on Pulse. 95. 
Amidst all the hype that we hear about the different forms of transportation, there is one man today who is telling us that maybe we should think about the future of transportation from a more sustainable point of view. And to tell us all about it, we have with us in the studios of Pulse95, Martin Tillman, who is Director of Transport Planning at ACOM. You have five different steps alongside you about how we can prepare for the future of transportation we've talked about planning and now we're moving a little bit into sustaining so what does it mean to be more sustainable in the future of transportation yeah thank you so i think sustain is more about how do we make a um, move away from a single driver car society Mm -hmm. so we're using one vehicle one driver to do a journey Uh, which is essentially um, lost space. You've got the seats in the car that are not being used. That car is essentially sitting in your parking garage um, for that day, and then you use it to go back home again. So that seems to me um, uh, a non-sustainable way to actually continue to use the best, make make the best use of our resources going forward. So what can we do to make it more uh, sustainable? Well, I've already talked about how important I think walking and and cycling are. And, And we're talking about examples Um, and we, you talk, say about places like America where maybe it's a bit more tricky to do this kind of uh, implementation. Um, if you take something like Times Square, Times Square, uh, I remember going to Times Square years ago and it was a very congested, mm. busy intersection. You know, it was not a particularly pleasant place to actually be, to actually spend time. Mm-hmm. And I remember going a few years later where they'd actually wanted to test something. They actually closed off Uh, part of the road. They actually put deck chairs up, they put picnic tables up and I thought, wow, this is what are they doing this for? And of course people were starting to use those facilities. They yeah. actually just went out, they had their picnics there, they started to just use the space for their environment. For me that's a sustainable use of uh, resources. Yes. Yeah. So what infrastructure changes uh, are we going to have to go through? Yeah. So if you take for example like um, In uh, another example I'd like to mm-hmm. use here is um, is Hong Kong. Mm. You know, I used to live in Hong Kong, and some, it's very hot there as well. But it also has quite steep hills. It's all built on a essentially a mountain. And what they did there, and from some time back, they actually put in these travelator systems. So they had these connected. Do you know the travelators that you might see at the airport that mm. get you from terminal to terminal yes. to save oh, you walking these okay. long distances? So they put that between cities. They actually put it up up between communities. So they oh, actually wow. linked up, and I forget how many. It's something like 20, 30 different travelators and escalators, right through. So it's all open air, and it actually makes it a more easy way to get around the city rather than again having to to get in a car and to drive. So this is one one such way. Um, we also have things like. Um, Uh, pedestrian-only streets. We have cycle-only streets, cycle-only bridges. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have things called shared surfaces. Um, so you may find that some communities, even here in the UAE, we're, we're getting quite a few of these now, shared surfaces, where actually everything is on the same level. The cars, the buses, the people, the cyclists. There's no delineation. There's no white lines on the road. So essentially, as a driver, as you come into a, a shared surface area you're suddenly going hang on where's the white light mm. and what that does is it actually makes you slow because you're thinking i'm not sure now because when you've got a, a white line and you've got all the signs you go okay i know what i'm doing i can go at this speed when you don't have that 
your natural tendency is to then slow down because you don't, it's an unexpected uh, feature. Now, a lot of, uh, when we're on the road, we see the most thing that I see personally is school buses. Yeah. There's a lot of school buses because there's a lot of schools. What could be done for schools? So this is, this is one of my favorites, actually, having kids at school as well. So, uh, and look, when I was at school, I used to walk to school. And then when I was older, I used to get a train and then a bus. You and know then what's interesting bus. is I think we can all agree. Every Arab dad <laughs> has always said the well-known, I used to walk to school. It used <laughs> to be like a good old walk, long walk yes, in the yes. freezing cold Absolutely. and in the hot summers. Um, so... Yeah, you were mentioning. <laughs> so, um, but here it, it's just it's just not practical. It just mm. doesn't uh, doesn't feel. I don't feel safe enough yet to say to my kids, "Yes, you can go and walk or cycle or even catch a bus," you know, without me being there to, to help them through. So, one of the measures that we're looking at here is something called a walking bus. Uh, and what that is is you actually drive your kids to a position quite close to the school, but with a safe route to get to the school. Now, a walking bus would actually have. Uh, maybe a teacher or an assistant teacher at the front, like essentially the pedestrian yes. driver. And then you'd have teachers and assistants throughout that sort of snake, that worm of, of kids, if oh, you like. Okay. And then more, another one at the back. And you form this sort of group where they all walk together. Group walk, yes. A group walk, yeah. I actually had that when I was in fourth grade in, in back, in, back in the States. My mom would drive me to a plaza. And in that plaza, you would have all the school kids just waiting there. And uh, I think it was a school resource worker that would be there with a stop sign. So and you would walk with you would so walk, basically you would walk walking with them, walking with the group for around 15-20 yeah. minutes until you reach your destination, until you reach the school. So when you would walk across road, the school worker would put that up the sign saying stop, all the cars would stop and we would continue walking. No and kid would like stray away from the no, walking bus. No, no, no. I mean I mean they, they were very organized and what I liked about it is that me as a child, I used to get excited to go there because I would see kids from different grades. My friends, we would walk, talk about a football game that happened last <laughs> night. It was it was kind of like a social interaction thing. I You're like walking that. for 20 minutes with a big group. It's yeah. good socializing. And, and it gets you into a good habit as well because then you're getting that exercise in the day. You know, they're recommending at least 20 minutes <laughs> of uh, walking. walking. So there, there it is, you know, it's and, built in. And you would have the cool kids who would ride bikes from home all the way to the plaza. <laughs> yeah, those were the cool kids. They would ride from the plaza, from home all the way to plaza put their bikes there and continue walking. To make it more fun, the head of the, the queue, they can dress up like a dragon or oh, a, a cartoon that. character. So it makes it like really appealing for the kids as well. I've never heard of a walking, I can't believe you tried it out and I never heard <laughs> of it until <laughs> today. Until, until seventh grade, I was doing it. No way, so yeah. for a good like three years. So it's, it's, I, th I believe when I, third grade, second grade, until seventh grade. So it's a widely known practice around yeah, the world. It, it, well, I wouldn't say it's widely known. I say it's gaining traction. Mm -hmm. And I think as, as we start to move, as everyone's starting to make more moves towards sustainable uh, sustainability in general, this is one of those measures that can be put I forward. love it. Honestly, my only worry would be safety because knowing yeah. kids, I mean, I think it might be very easy for one of them like to stray away from the pack. And yeah. just go ahead and do their own thing. I, I mean, sometimes parents would walk with their chi with their mm. children. It's not just us children and one resource worker. Yeah. Some a lot of people like to volunteer, mm. so they would they would do that. But uh, as Martin said, going back to it, I think safety is is the, is the number one thing. Like I don't have kids, but if I had a child, I wouldn't want him or her to go. I mean, it's 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 just not there yet. Mm. You know, there's a, there's a lot of factors, a lot of ifs and buts. And again, you could tell your kid to be the safest person on the planet. But the person 
and another person could not even put that in, in accountability. Mm. You know, you could be a, the best driver, True. but the person next to you might not be the best driver. And, and this is why it all comes back to the infrastructure. If you, if you design safe facilities, exactly for each mode, then it becomes easier, and then we can feel more trusting of, mm. uh, of the environment. Mm. Exactly. I mean, if we keep keep building roads, everyone's going to go on the roads. If we keep building walkways, people are going to be. People have to go on the walkways. I, I I like it. I like the idea about it. It's such an interesting conversation. So send in your questions at 4215. Would you be interested in you yourself going on a walking bus or sending your kids on a walking bus? But we're going to be coming back to talk a little bit about would it be an interesting idea to separate autonomous vehicles from normal cars? So make sure you stay tuned right here on Future Talk. Only on Pulse 95. 95. You're, You're listening, listening to Pulse95. Pulse95. Future Talk with Omni Al Saleh and on Pulse95. While everyone gives a lot of attention on all the new technologies that are emerging in the world of transportation, hyperloops and hoverboards, the actual influence is all about our choices because the future of transportation is not really about all these inventions, but rather about what we choose to do with the already existing transportation modes. And to tell us more about it, we have with us in the studios of Pulse95, the man of the hour, Martin Tillman, who is uh, the ac- who is actually the director of transportation Transport planning at ACOM. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Now, very fun topics talking to you on air as well as off air. But uh, let's go to your third pl- uh, third list, which is choose. Now, there is a movement towards shared mobility. What is this and how can it help? Shared mobility is interesting. It, it's like we have, uh, as I mentioned earlier, a car that you just use by yourself. You know, how do we feel about sharing uh, different forms of transport? So one would be, for example, uh, the car sharing, where you pick up a car and then use it and and take someone else. Mm. Uh, But we shouldn't just think about the cars. You've got the scooters that are actually shared now. You see the scooters that are appearing around um, different cities. The birds, scooters, yeah. Exactly. Shared cycles as well that are coming forward. Uh, But we've also got other um, ways of of sharing. The one I like is e-hailing. Whether it's through a bus or through a a taxi, you actually do it through an application on your phone. And if you take it to the next level, if you think about your, uh, like a Spotify account or a Netflix mm-hmm. account, you know, you're very comfortable, or I'm very comfortable paying for a monthly service to get uh, mm-hmm. what, I've, what I'm paying for. True. Now, the next level is to say, well, can we do this with transportation as well? Mm. Can we have a subscription service where we would actually have all these uh, different modes together? through a an app or through a, a, a monthly payment that I put through and I, I can choose which modes I want to use on a different day depending on what my needs are. So one day I might need to take a, a shared car, the next day maybe the bus or the tram or the, 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 the boat is, is suitable for me. Mm-hmm. So bringing all these together is quite a, a nice idea. You might think I'm obsessed with walking and cycling, <laughs> I'm not. I, I believe in a very shared, uh, layered system of transportation because we all have different needs about how we move True. around. Uh, so since you're not obsessed with biking <laughs> and walking, let's talk a little bit about autonomous vehicles because, uh, you know, they're definitely a hot topic uh, in the tech world. But most importantly, do you think they're going to be very beneficial or are they going to be coming back to society to bite them because of all the ethical issues that they come up with? And also... When and how do you think they will actually be introduced 
as frequently as we see normal cars on the roads nowadays? Hmm. I think that the first part of your question is really important. People tend to think that autonomous cars are going to solve a lot of our traffic problems. Mm -hmm. What it does do is actually solves a lot of parking problems. Mm. Yeah. Because autonomous cars, you don't need to go and park them, especially not in a city center. So when you go to your office, you don't need to park an autonomous car. All that space that was in the building, maybe is not needed so much now going forward. The difference is that those vehicles have to do something else instead. And they tend to be, if you take it to its logical conclusion, they'll be on the road or they'll have to go and park some distance away in much cheaper land that isn't uh, being used for the high density uh, developments. So the issue might be less parking, but more cars on the road. So mm. it may not actually be the magic solution that we're looking for. Uh, what we can say though, is that in its introductory phases, it's more likely that those vehicles will have to be segregated to start with. I'm not like a carpool lane? Maybe. Maybe it'll be like this. And, and maybe it won't be cars first. Maybe it will actually be autonomous buses first, mm. uh, carrying pods. more people in a separate uh, bus lane, for example. We don't know. But I'm just thinking about in terms of implementation phasing, what would be the, the I hate to say the word easiest, but the, the most straightforward one to implement would more likely be a segregated lane for autonomous vehicles where there was no or very little mm. interaction with other vehicles. We've mm. seen it also in the Sharjah Research and Technology Park. They're actually doing autonomous pods for to carry a large amount of people in it. Now you talked about autonomous buses, mm. but how can we encourage the use of the public transport with yeah. these autonomous buses? So, um, well, it, in some ways it's very simple. Mm. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you need a lot of choices. You need a lot of modes to, to make sure that everyone is covered. Uh, you need routes, you know, people will often say to me, well, unless there's a, an option for me right outside my house to where I'm going, it's not going to work for me. So it's opportunity, it's uh, route choices that are there. And the other thing that maybe puts people off is how frequent is a particular service. Mm. So like, for example, if the service is only running like every half an hour, every hour, they go, ah, you know what, I, I just get in my car and, and drive, to be honest, it's not yeah. worth it. And that's where it comes back to this e-hailing, I like the idea of the e-hailing where it's a bit like an Uber, but it's a bus. So the, the cost of that is brought right down. You're not paying that premium to be on your own in a vehicle. Uh, you can actually share with other people. And I, I, you know, we were talking off air about it, but I think it's, it's not for everybody. You know, there are mm. different uh, categories of society that want different things or mm. have different needs or different wants. And we just need to make sure that we're covering for all sectors of society. We're not just thinking about one particular group. Mm -hmm. Now, what I think, I, th I, th I think it's going to be, like you said, it's not for everybody. But once we, you can kind of, let's say, peer pressure them mm. into it. Once they see a lot of people using this ease of ease of transport and it's going to be easier you can sleep on the bus you can get some work done before you get to work mm. but uh could you th would you believe a factor would be the time because obviously on a public transportation you do take a little bit longer yeah. before you get to your destination while using your car yeah i i think so and but i think you trade that off with the uh, flexibility mm. like you know and you know we, we talk about you know, the uae we want it to be a happy society you know, and I'd, I'd ask your listeners, you know, to think of a happy time uh, in, in your life. And I'm sure it's not sitting in a car. 100%. In a, in a it's being, a, being the passenger of a car, not driving oh, the car. Oh, yes, ah, definitely. Maybe. If you want to go agree. on the most traffic lane 
ever, but yeah. I'm a passenger. I don't mind. Do you your know, thing. You know, the, <laughs> funnest, the funnest times is on school buses, if you think of it. Okay. Most of your memories are done there. You're with a group of friends, and yeah. you're not the one driving. Yeah, exactly. So if we think like that and think, well, okay, how do we make it a more happy society? It's more like this. It's about bringing people together. It's about not sitting behind the wheel, getting stressed, and, and, and having all that uh, interaction mm. with others when you're like, oh, I need to get to work. I'm late for school. All of these things come. A, lo- a lot of good things happen with social interaction. This goes back to the walking groups that we were talking about. You can interact and get to know people. So I believe hopefully soon, uh, maybe we'll come to the Pulse 95 studios on the end of bus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or you know what? I want to try out that walking bus you tried out. Walking, the walking have group. The walking group. Have everyone, you know, f- the whole... Pulse 95 team yeah. just walking to work. That's going to be very, very tricky on me. <laughs> oh, definitely will be. But before we go on our uh, quick break, I just wanted to ask you, what can we do for universities and schools in terms of encouraging more cycling? I mean, it is kind of becoming more of a trend uh, at the American University of Sharjah, University of Sharjah. We constantly see people on bikes. But mm. what else can we do to encourage them to use bicycles more than driving? Yeah, and I think it comes back to this this safety. If, if I have to stress one thing more mm. than any other, it's always going to be the safety. If students feel safe using their bicycle to get to and from the university, I think this is the first big step. The second one is about publicity. Again, we can talk about um, social media and influences. I, I was talking to a marketing uh, transport marketing uh, guy um, about a year ago, and he said the best way to do this, social influence. You know, get someone on a bicycle, get someone walking, show them actually doing it, and get people to enthuse, to get people excited about the idea mm. of it, to start that. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. unfortunately, that's the truth. You know, uh, if uh, you see someone doing it, and uh, they're well-liked and well-popular, a lot of people are going to jump on that hype. Mm. True. And I actually liked your idea that you mentioned. Maybe paint a lane, make it very flashy, interesting, fun to get on, and make it... Nice marble marble stuff. Oh, yeah. And the other thing this guy told me was make it Instagrammable. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so make, make sure there's something where you've got like a bicycle with a nice backdrop <laughs> and you can do some nice shiny pictures there. Exactly. A lot a lot of people would go if, 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 if it's, it's Insta- Insta- Instagrammable, you know? Mm. You walk, you're, you're riding your bicycle... You put your camera up and you see this lane with flowers or flashy lights, as you said. And a lot of people would go just to Instagram it, but maybe they try it and they like it. Exactly. You know? Yeah, you, you got to try. You're getting attention. Yeah. Maybe 100 people go and 25 people like it. 25 True. people are good people. Are you one of those people? Texan on 4215. Would you be willing to, you know... Let your love for your car kind of calm down a bit and maybe choose other forms of transportation because we're going to be coming back to talk all about the shift and what can we do to connect all the different types of street patterns. All of this and more is coming up right here on Future Talk. Only Only on Pulse95. You're listening to Pulse95. Pulse95. Future Talk with Omni Al Saleh and Hany Balkas. On Pulse 95. Future Talk. Welcome back to Pulse 95. You're the Future Talk with myself, Hani Bilqis and Omnia Salah. And it is the end of the hour, but we're not done yet because we have had a great ride and journey <laughs> with Martin Tillman about everything transportation. Isn't that right, Omnia? Yes, indeed. And while, you know, you've definitely shifted our perspective a little bit about maybe not constantly using our car to get everywhere we want to get to, uh, we do all love our cars. And uh, one question that I have for you, in the UAE, do you think it is possible for us to use our cars any 
less. Realistically, <laughs> we were in La La Land for a bit, you know. Wow, you're putting me on the spot now. Yeah. So, I mean, look, there are ways that we can encourage, and there are ways we can discourage. Mm -hmm. We call it the carrot and stick approach. So, you know, what's the stick approach? And we've got some of those elements like tolling. You know, you can start to put uh, congestion charging. You can start to charge people for using the road space. Uh, you can obviously put parking charges in. You can start to charge people to park at their workplace. We have things oh, called no. work. No, no, yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> workplace Please, levy sir. charges. Please. Can you imagine <laughs> that? When you arrive at work, then you have to pay um, a charge on top. And you can also look at restricting routes. You know, you don't make it as straightforward. Don't make it as an easy route to get from A to B by car but make it a lot easier to go by other forms of Are transport. you trying to make us hate using cars? <laughs> what exactly that's, is that's it the, happening that's here? The, that's the stick part. And then the carrot part is, well, how do we encourage, how do we make you think it's better to go in mm. a different form of transport? So one thing that we can do is things like employer benefits. Mm -hmm. So your employer might say, okay, I tell you what, I'm going to give you uh, travel passes. I'm going to pay for your travel. I'm going to give you bus pass. I'm going to give you metro passes. Mm. I'm going to give you the boat passes. Uh, I'm going to pay for you a bicycle mm. on an interest-free loan, for example. Uh, I'm going to, if you come in uh, by public transit, I'm going to provide you with a nice breakfast one day. So we do this at our workplace. We actually have a workplace breakfast for those that use public transport. They come in and there's a nice breakfast for everyone that made I the effort to that. do that. <laughs> and where have you guys seen successful change? So clearly the one I'm, I, I always refer to is Copenhagen, where there's yes. such a big mm. shift coming over. Uh, but you, you don't have to look so far away from home to see examples of where they're making those changes. I mean, you can take sustainable city in Dubai and Mazdar in Abu Dhabi, mm -hmm. where they've made that conscious decision to say, you know what, we're not going to just make it business as usual. We want to do something different. So sustainable city has got the cycling, it's got the electric buggies there. I mean, I, I've been there to see. It's lovely. I mean, yeah, it's it's a very pleasant. We've actually seen it right here with all the different movements in the university city we've had the roads you know closed off for cyclists to go ahead and uh, you know go around the university city area from one university to the other but we've also seen it in the Sharjah research technology and innovation park where they've had different autonomous pods that are being under study uh, that are definitely going to be carrying a large amount of people and as you mentioned they have their very own lanes they're not going to cause much of an ethical issue um, but what options do we have that every each and every one of us can do to apply this shift you know all of these new changes are definitely fantastic to look forward to but what can we make today to apply this shift and and and, and i by the way i love the idea of closing off the roads mm -hmm. you did I, I i love this idea because um it it makes people think differently you know like one minute the road's there the next minute it's it's being used for something else it's heartbreaking though you get heartbreaking uh, but then you immediately you have to think okay what am i going to do now oh if yeah. this road wasn't there what would i do you know and then go whole take the whole u-turn <laughs> and come back <laughs> but maybe maybe and then other times like for example i know um I always quote because um, Chegside Road, they closed it down for the 10 kilometer run. Mm. They also had, um, they filmed stuff, you know, they yes, filmed yes. movies and things mm. where they actually closed the street down. And I say, well, if they can do it for that, they can do it for people as well. So this is very important measures. It's, it's like we were saying about the social influencing. It's about giving people a different viewpoint, giving people another view to seeing how the city could look like. Yes, indeed. Yes. Lots to look forward to. Uh, thank you so much, Martin Tillman, for joining us today. It's been such an honor. But make sure you keep Pulse95 on because Afternoon Karak, Aisha Malmi and Mikhail Atiyah are going to be joining and taking on yes, the indeed. air. Yes, indeed. So get your Karak ready. And thank you, Martin, 
for coming to the show and giving us this little tour around the future of mobility. Thank you. I've really enjoyed it. We'll so see you all I. tomorrow, same time, same day, right here, on, same time, same every day. Right here on Pulse at 95. 95. This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every weekday from 2 p.m.